Welcome to this week 12 edition of Bruce Monin's Computer Points. I'm Bruce Monin, your host, recording from a remote studio, a secret studio outside of Napoleon, Ohio. And again, checking in from the greater Cincinnati area, home of those mighty two and seven Cincinnati Bearcats, we have our co-host, executive producer, and chief researcher, Rebecca Monin. I know it's good to keep updating the record so people know, but it really just feels like salt in the wound at this point. <laughs> well, good news, Rebecca. As we are recording this on Monday, tonight, UC basketball season starts and we can start reporting a different record. Hopefully it's better. Well, it should be early because it looks like they scheduled a fantastic cupcake schedule to get things going this year. So. <laughs> I'm okay with that. <laughs> As this is during the playoffs, we have a guest again this week. And this week, we are graced with the presence of Mr. Gary Raspberry, longtime sports reporter for the Salina Daily Standard. Welcome aboard, Gary. Oh, thanks for having me on. Grace, that's kind of a, usually it's burden. <laughs> well, well, we'll decide afterwards which is more appropriate. Yep. Put a vote up with the, <laughs> with the episode. Oh. Yes, if you want to vote on whether we were graced or burdened, please send an email to where, Rebecca? <laughs> no, that's terrible. Don't do that. That's terrible? Okay. <laughs> normally, when <we> have <laughs> normally when we have a guest, we ask about their football playing history. I know Gary, though, was a proud graduate of Menden Union High School, where that was not a possibility. Were there any other athletic endeavors? that you'd like to inform us about from your high school days? Well, obviously, you never seen how bad Menden was in the late 80s and early 90s. But I was a participant. I wouldn't say I played in either baseball or basketball, but I was a participant. I've seen a picture of you in a basketball uniform. I figured you were, I thought you were actually on the floor with the ball in your hand, so you were definitely not on the bench. Whoever has that photo just probably has perfect uh, black male materials for sure. In my slimmer days. So, but more importantly, you've been working with the Daily Standard here. How long now? It's been as long as I can remember. Well, I started part-time back in 1993, did it off and on for a while. And then 1999, around November, I uh, joined full-time. So, so this will be my 25th year of covering the uh, the area about sports teams. And you've had some good ones to cover. I don't suppose you have a rough estimate of how many state championships you've personally covered in your day. I shudder to think. It's a lot. I mean, you know, between football, basketball, baseball, softball, track cross-country track, volleyball? even gymnastics. I had a little bit of gymnastics. Cover to, yeah. Coldwater used to have a gymnastics team back in the up until the huh. early 2000s, uh, coached by uh, Jane Diller, whose father uh, is the, the late Lou Brunswick, who coached Coldwater baseball to 750 wins and a four or five championship. <laughs> Well, I, didn't even I remember know Ohio you had a me. state championship series for gymnastics. Oh yeah, they have it. It's at one of the uh, Columbus area high school. When I went, it was at a what's now Dublin Kaufman, but back then it was just Dublin High School. They didn't. They only had one high school in Dublin back then. Now they got three. Three, yeah. So we have brought Gary on here to help us look at the remaining high school football playoff games in our coverage area. If I remember right, I believe it's fourteen games this week. Before we go on, it was suggested by one of our listeners that we need to tell how well we did in our predictions last week. So, how'd we do last week? Well, we'll start with yours truly. I went 19 and 7 on my picks. That sounds pretty good. 73% right. Rebecca was one better. 
Rebecca got 20 games right, 20 and 6, 77%. Which, by the way, is exactly the same you would get by picking the highest-seeded team in each game. Which is interesting because I made a point to pick a lot of upsets. Yes, you did. And we'll get to that in a second here. Then, of course, we had the computers who agreed with each other on every game. They both went 21 and 4. 84%. We failed to beat the computers once again, Rebecca. Every year, I think maybe I'll just pick along with the computers and I'll win. And every year, I've got to be different. But our guest, Minster Athletic Director Josh Clooney, also went 21 and 4. Did just as good as the computers. What do you think the odds are that an athletic director maybe knows a little more than we do, Rebecca? (laughs) Pretty darn good in my case. A little bit more arguable in yours. (laughs) Well, as I look over our results from last week, I saw a couple of results that were of interest. Rebecca, you were the only person to correctly predict Bell Fountain's upset win over London last week. Cool, cool. I I thought that was a really poor pick. Shows you what I know. I mean, it was purely based on the fact that they don't have a London, England-based mascot. <laughs> Luck was on my that, yes. side. <laughs> Rebecca, along with our guest Josh Clooney, also made up some ground, correctly predicting Salina's win over Trotwood Madison. That'll teach me to go against the home teams. What else do we have here? Josh and the Harbin points both picked Tri-Village's win over West Liberty Salem. That one surprised me quite a bit, too, actually. Then Rebecca was looking really good. She was ahead of everyone. And then she had to pick Williamsburg to beat Anna. And she had to pick Convoy <laughs> really Preston to beat one. LCC. And the, those did not go well for her. Never yeah. pick against a MAC team. I know. <laughs> but someday the rule won't hold. I was making a comeback. And then, lo and behold, I picked against St. Henry. And boy, did that one cost <laughs> me, too. So. I don't know when we're going to learn not to pick against those MAC teams. (laughs) I thought Fort Laramie was close enough to a MAC team that that wouldn't count, but nope, I should have known better. Rebecca and I then made a late charge. We had Toledo (laughs) Christian Wright winning that eight-man football state championship game. Now, Rebecca and I had a yes, we had a bit of an adventure this last weekend. We traveled to Liberty Center and attended the eight-man football state championship game. Toledo Christian won the title 46-6. to Quite dominant, actually. The place was packed. Especially, I thought, the Holgate people at first. They were really into the Mm -hmm. game until the tide turned against them. And I I commented a couple of times that if I wasn't thinking about the fact there were only eight players out there on both sides, it just looked like a regular football game. When you got into it, you hardly noticed. Except when someone would run out of bounds and they would kick that temporary tape they had down to mark the out of bounds and someone had to run over and put it back down in place afterwards. And then it reminded you. That was kind of fun, though. Yes, it was. I kind of enjoyed that little tape. And sometimes there was more than eight people on the field if you had a couple extra players in illegal formations. That happened once or twice. Once or twice. (laughs) There may have been a penalty flag or two thrown for a coach being out on the field when he wasn't supposed to, being upset with the call. It's it's so hard to tell what's field and not when all of it has the lines painted on it with just a little ribbon in between. <laughs> Somehow, I think the coach knew when he was over the line, Rebecca. I don't think right, that was I'm sure he did. <laughs> Benefit of the doubt. I tell you, we noticed they went all out. Not only did they have a trophy for the championship team and for the runner-up team, there was a plaque for the championship coach, another plaque for the runner-up coach, and then there was a plaque for the MVP of each team. So they were 
It probably took longer than the game, considering the whole second half had a running clock just to hand out all those trophies. Say, we also had a little bit of fun there. We ran into one of the most famous people in high school football, Mr. Joe Idle, was in attendance. We saw him at halftime, went up, I introduced myself, and he said, is that Rebecca, the the one that's on your podcast? So now we know Joe (laughs) Idle listens to our podcast. So good news for us, right? Good news for us. I bet the uh, Liberty Center people didn't know they had such celebrities at their game that day in their own stadium. Apparently not. Yeah, they made us pay for all of our concessions, so apparently not. They made you pay, yeah. Yep, we had to pay to get in and out. Entry and concession. Yep. I never tried, though. I never really tried to get us in for free, but we figured we contribute to the cause of eight-man football there. Nope, didn't even bring the clipboards. We just went in as normal (laughs) fans. That would be interesting. I've never seen a live game of it. I've seen it on TV, and I've seen it in that. That would be an interesting thing to watch. It's probably an outdoor version of what arena football used to be, you know, a little more wide open, I would guess. Would that be the case? A little bit. About the only thing I saw different was you are more likely to get a big play because if you broke through a line, there was less people in the second and third level that might bring you down afterwards. That was the main difference I saw. That and neither team had a kicker because they probably didn't have enough kids to train up for effective field goal kicking. Yeah, we at least did not see a uh, extra point kicked or a uh, or a field goal tried, and the kickoffs were kind of squib kicks that we saw, so... Yep, I would agree. That's we'll say the, a lot less the quarterback punted a couple times, which was exciting. Oh, yeah. You pooch I'm punts. I'm feeling you might see eight foot expand a little bit because there's a lot of schools, especially up north, that have very few, I mean, kids. I mean, they're, they're, they, struggle, they struggle with getting enough kids to play 11. I think you could see them convert to an eight-man game and really just kind of keep up. I think within a few years, you'll see a few more teams. I think there's, what, eight or ten right now, maybe – Maybe um, six to ten, I think. Officially it's a, six. It's a very right low now. number, but I think you could see that number go up. Well, we know uh Fremont St. Joe is joining next year. But I would think that whole area north of Lima, south of Toledo, is just ripe for teams that either don't have any football and want to start at eight man or teams that maybe need to fall down there. Oh, like uh, yeah, especially in the, the Blanchard Valley Conference, you know, teams like Arcadia and Van Lu and Corey Rawson probably, you know where you get where if they get 25 they're barely able to get 25 kids out i think that would be a a boon to them keeps the program going and gives it a new wrinkle on the game make me wonder if you could get places like uh lincoln view and some of the schools around there to start it up maybe too hmm. don't know they might be too entrenched in their soccer programs by now yeah i don't know about new knoxville either you know of course they have those great shirts that say undefeated since 1923 yeah they don't want to break their record yeah, true. Yep. I've thought about <laughs> New Knoxville, but I, I figured the odds would probably be better of getting something more like a Botkins or a Jackson Center or a Houston than New Knoxville, probably. But, yep. So that was our weekend, football speaking, right, Rebecca? Correct. So now it's time to see if we can do a little better this week. Maybe this week we can outwit the computers as we look at the playoff games in our coverage area, all 14 of them. And Gary, we're going to ask you to pick along here, too. Last week, our guest All beat right. us. We'll see if you could keep keep things going here. We start, as always, with the larger schools, Division Two, Region 8. Troy is still alive with their 11-1 record. And the number two seed, this week, they face the three seed, Cincinnati Withrow, who's also 11-1. 
The current computer points has Withrow actually with 1% more than Troy, so they're basically tied. We have one common opponent here. Troy beat Lima Sr. 42-15 last week, while Withrow beat Lima 42-6 back in week three. So that's pretty much a wash. The computers, though, they like Withrow. Fantastic 50 says Withrow by 19. Cal Prep says by 14. And myself personally, I've been hearing about Withrow all year. They've been talking big down there. I'm believing them. I'm going with Withrow. Well, you know, uh, Troy's having a pretty good year. I mean, they're playing in the Miami Valley League. You look at the schedules, they play about the same. The, the schedules, you know, the teams are about the same records and everything like that. Lima Sr. Come, is having a great year. They won their first ever conference championship since 1996 when they won the Toledo City League. Uh, Withrow, good win over um, Winton Woods. So, you know, I, I think I could give the the edge to Troy. I would I, I won't get a score, but I think it'll be a good game, and I think Troy could get the edge. All righty. I was just going to say it feels bad to pick against the teams that we follow in the very first game, so I was going to go Troy based solely on that. But all of those are better reasons. <laughs> well, let's just say, Rebecca, last week your reasons were better than my reasons according to those <laughs> results. So. <laughs> sure. <laughs> when they weren't against Anna te- uh, Mac teams. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll correct that this week. We shall see. <laughs> we'll see. Come on down to Division Three over in Region 11. We have number seven, Bell Fountain, a nice upset winner last week. They are 10 and two. This week, they play the third seed, undefeated Granville. Uh, the computer points are actually close. Granville has 5% more. Granville, oh, we have one. Uh, Yes, we do. One common opponent. Granville won at Licking Heights 28 to 20 in week six. Bell Fountain beat that same team 45 to 14 in week three. The computers like Bell Fountain by five points and by four points. Me personally, I'm a little late, but I am now jumping on the Bell Fountain bandwagon. I like Bell Fountain now. See if I'm not a week too late. If I if I miss them picking against them last <laughs> week and then miss them picking with them this week, that'd be Really bad, but I'm going to try Bell Fountain. Yeah, I think yeah. Uh, you know, of course, I you know see knew a little bit about Bell Fountain this season because they played Coldwater in Week Two. Of course, they got a uh, Ohio State uh, recruit uh, Tevian St. Clair, who really kind of surprising got the nod from Ohio State over uh, Finley's Ryan Montgomery is to be in the kind of the, the next quarterback for him. Uh, he's a very skilled quarterback. A lot of the concerns were um, that he had the personnel around him to help. And obviously, you know, going 10 and 2, he's had that support. I got to I gotta go, go with Bell Fountain. I think Bell Fountain's got a shot this week. All righty. And I, I am staying on the bandwagon on Bell Fountain. <laughs> All right. So we are unanimous. That could be a bad sign. It could be a very bad sign. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, we were unanimous with uh, Marion Local and Versailles last week, and those turned out okay. Well, so. the, the, the karma gods would really have to be against us if they made Marion Local lose because we picked them. <laughs> hmm, that may be a thought for me later. The karma gods? Oh, yes. Our next game is in Division Three, Region 12, featuring another team I foolishly picked against last week. That would be number six, Salina. Currently 10 and 2. This time they are playing another one of our teams. So Rebecca will have to make a choice. They play number two, Tippecanoe, also with a 10 and 2 record. 
At the moment, Salina actually has 3% more computer points. WBL teams and bringing the points in for them more than whoever Tippecanoe played, I guess. We know uh, who Tippecanoe played. <laughs> yeah, but I don't remember. <laughs> we covered them. <laughs> there are no common opponents for these two teams. Hey, the computers, they like Salina. They have the Bulldogs by four points and by seven points. Myself, once again, I am going to be one week late jumping on the bandwagon, but onto the Salina bandwagon I go. I have the Bulldogs in this one. Well, I'll tell you, Salina's just having a great year. and um, uh, Brennan Bayer's done a really good job with this team. He's, you know, the positivity in there. I mean, you take it, they lost a tough week one game to Versailles, and the big thing is they moved uh, Raylan Gabus into a kind of a wildcat, or probably in Salina's case, wild dog uh set and he's really been a key spark to that team but i mean john lutz and another running back and parker berkey have been good good defense with the dalton chillcoat and Keaton merlin slime is playing well i mean that last that week 10 loss to walpock was kind of an anomaly because they had three guys hurt within a few plays of each other early in the game and that kind of kind of toned it up but getting the win over trotwood madison last week especially at down i think 14 at the half I think Salina people are getting in the mood. I mean, this is the farthest they've been since 1998. I'd love to go down that game. I won't, but um, I would not be shocked to see Salina come out of the W next week, uh, or Friday night. And wouldn't that be great if, you know, because you know, the other game is Baden versus Walpock, and if Walpock would somehow pull the upset on the Rams, uh, Salina-Walpock next week, a unique one. <laughs> that'd be for sure. Salina-Walpock round two. Here we go, huh? That'd be fun. I mean, I'm all in favor of that, so I'll pick for it. Salina, please, Dad. All right. Write me down. And, of course, that leads us to that other game that Gary just mentioned. Number five, 10-2, Wapakoneta. Again, as we like to mention, on that 10-game winning streak, and they have just been rolling people. This time they face the top seed, undefeated Hamilton Baden. Hamilton Baden obviously has the computer point advantage. No common opponents, which is not all that surprising. These teams are not exactly close together. A good two-hour difference between them. Maybe more. The computers both like Wapakoneta. Fantastic 50 by six points. Cal Preps by seven points. And even though I am convinced Hamilton Baden is a very, very good team, I'm going with Wapakoneta. I just have seen nothing that tells me they're not going to just keep on rolling. Well, I'll tell you, you know, like I said, uh, Baden plays in the Greater Catholic League. Tough schedule. I mean, they face teams like Alder and Chaminade and McNick. They open the season with Hamilton. They're a perennially, traditionally strong program. But Walpock just have a great style. I mean, they were a team that was a very run-heavy team. And now with Caleb Moyer, a quarterback, they're actually passing the ball more, but they could still run with Jace Naus. Travis Moyer done a great job over there at Walpock. Made them, what, three, three straight Western Buckeye League titles. I would like to get, give the uh, edge there to Walpock. I think Walpock is a bruising team. They like to they like to hit. I think they could uh, come away with that with the win if all goes well. If they get good traffic, it's only an hour and forty minutes in between the two. <laughs> oh, okay. That that if you get good traffic is a big if though. Yeah, you have to go through Dayton. So eh. yeah. But as stated, I'm backing the computers so we can get the Salina Walpock game. All right. And also because the computers are generally right. And I'm going to throw in one thing that probably gets overlooked until you watch them. 
what a weapon that kicker at Wapak is. The fact that that the other team starts every possession at the twenty because every kickoff goes through the end zone is just amazing. Oh yeah, Kyle the Beach threat is of a being able to excellent kicker. Yeah, and stand out yeah, on the, the threat soccer of the, team too. He was he's a stand out on the soccer team, so he does. But he does uh, all the kicking. He does the kickoffs, field goals, and punts as well. Very strong leg. And I noticed that when they played Salina, and Salina has a pretty strong kicker, Zach Raber, who's also a soccer player. A lot of uh, a lot of touchback. <laughs> Be like some of those NFL games where you never get to see a kickoff run back, huh? Before we move on, it is time to award this week's team of the week. It was a tough decision this week, Rebecca. Okay. Everyone's favorite personality in the world. Former former pro wrestler Ric Flair used to say, to be the man, you have to beat the man. And last week, Springfield Shawnee beat our previous Team of the Week, Urbana. So I had to consider them for Team of the Week. Just okay. make it a moving thing, right? I, I mean, um, I do like that, that methodology. St. Mary's came very close to pulling off Team of the Week, with a, a really, which would have been a really worthy upset. But in the end... I had to go with the team I watched, Rebecca. The eight-man state champions, Toledo Christian, was our team of the week this week. I would have to agree with that. They won, by the way, in absolute dominant fashion. Final score was forty-six to six, and that was the six was after we left. There was they in were the not going to move the ball. Yeah, they were not going to move the ball on that Toledo Christian defense, which eight-man football is not necessarily known for its defense. But Holgate was going nowhere all night. I think we must have seen something like five interceptions caught by Toledo. Yeah, I think every time Holgate threw a deep pass, Toledo Christian caught it instead of the Holgate they were receiver. Right there. Yes, they were. I was very impressed. So, Toledo Christian, this week's team of the week. All right, moving on to Division Five now. We'll go with Region 18, Liberty Center. That stadium was packed twice this last weekend. First for their own game and then for the eight-man football game. They are the number one seed, undefeated, and they are taking on Oak Harbor, who's also undefeated and the number four seed. Uh, Liberty Center obviously has the computer point advantage. We have one common opponent. Liberty Center beat Otsego 45 to nothing in week three. Oak Harbor beat Otsego 49 to 21 in week seven. The computers, though, they say they like Liberty Center a lot by 19 points and 16 points. And I don't think I've hidden all year how much I like Liberty Center. That's my pick for this game. And yes, I'm. I, that is a strong, strong-looking team. And I'm staying on that bandwagon at least until they run into a MAC team, probably. Well, I'll tell you, you know, I, I remember them last year when they played Coldwater up at uh, Lima Senior. Very, very, very competitive team. Uh, hasn't lost much this year. Interesting thing, uh, they got triplets. That are key players. They're running back Colton Cruz. Huh. They got a linebacker. They got a linebacker Trenton Cruz, and then a defensive back uh, Landon Cruz. Good program up there. And I think, well, if if everything works out well, we could see Coldwater Liberty Center next week, probably back at Limas, back at Limas Senior. Oak Harbor, a, a program that's been traditional. I haven't seen them in a few years, but they played Coldwater a couple times over the years. They are a strong program, but. Tigers are playing well, and I think you got to give uh, LC the uh, the nod Friday night. Yeah, I'm going to stick with Liberty Center. It's one of our teams that we've been following for a while. I mean, always 
I don't know why I said a while. We always follow them. And we were just there. So it feels bad to pick against them. But yeah. Liberty Center all the way, even if their stadium is less of a, a pit like Nippert is. So we, I don't know if we can justify calling it the Nippert of the North anymore. Yeah, maybe not. It looked a lot more Nippertish from the outside than when you actually go to it. It wasn't quite, it wasn't quite the same, was it? Remarkably level. Yeah, it's got a fun incline on the entrance. Yep, I would agree. Kind of disappointed. <laughs> oh, it's still a very <laughs> not good in the stadium. stadium. It's up the stadium, but I'm kind of disappointed. It's not. It's not as much like Nippert as I thought it was. I'm kind of disappointed <laughs> I was wrong. There we go. <laughs> well, now, Gary just hinted at the next game on our list. We have the sixth seed, 11-1 Coldwater. We'll be facing the second seeded 11-1 team from Milan Edison. I guess that would be Edison School from Milan, technically. Yep. Despite the difference, Coldwater being four seeds down, at this point, Coldwater has 3% more computer points because... All those MAC teams they beat just keep on winning playoff games. Uh, there are no common opponents between these two teams. Both computers like Coldwater by six points, so a touchdown and a mixed extra point. Or I've seen Coldwater kick field goals, maybe two field goals. I'm going to say for a week at least I've learned my lesson. I have the MAC team. I have Coldwater. Well, the interesting thing about uh, Milan Edison is Coldwater fans will get to see the triple option in play. I mean, they've got a real good quarterback, Marcus Medina, 1,136 rushing yards and a 1,000-yard passer. And then Cy Finnan's got about just over 1,000 yards in the season. Interesting look with that triple option kind of takes you back to the uh, some of the St. John's teams in the 2000s where they ran the option pretty well. But Coldwater has that ability to, to adapt. They're deep, and that's been a trade of Coldwater's for years, dating back to when Tim Hoyne was the defensive coordinator, they'll go from watching the five wide of Kenton to a, a run-heavy team. They find a way to adapt. Coldwater's kind of done the bend but don't break kind of thing. They'll let a team take their best shot early, and then they'll figure it out. Coldwater very tough. The Harlemer twins, uh, two of the most athletic players in the area. Balin Blockberger, a very good quarterback. He is he is coming to his own this season. I uh, can't, won't predict the score since I'm going to be up at uh, Donnell Stadium in Finley, but um, I think it'll be an interesting game. I think it, I, I don't think it, I think it'll be two touchdowns or less margin of victory. All righty. And by the way, I just saw Coldwater's last game on WOSN this week, and boy, that that Harlemer could put on the Jets, couldn't he? Man, oh, you get yeah. the ball to one of the guys on the outside, and they're gone. And I think there was a kickoff return too, if I remember right. He said, "You don't want to kick the ball off to Coldwater." I tell you. Mm-hmm. What have you got? What have you got, Rebecca? I'm afraid I'm going to be very boring this episode. I'm going with the computers and the teams we follow. So Coldwater. I'm not picking any upsets. Well, any <laughs> any upsets to us to the computers this time around, unless the, the mood right. strikes, but not this time. Well, you know what that means. That means you're going to have fun with this next game, Rebecca. Yeah, I will. Moving down to Division Six in Region Twenty Two. We have the top seed Columbus Grove, ten and two, facing the four seed ten and two carry. Columbus Grove has slightly more computer points. No common opponents here, so let's see what the computers say. Fantastic fifty says Columbus Grove is favored by one point. Cal Prep says Carey is favored by one point. Well, that doesn't tell us a whole lot. So I am picking Columbus Grove just because I am rooting for a rematch with Bluffton next week. I would really like to see that. So Columbus Grove for me. Well, I'll tell you, the, 
you know, Kerry, of course, won a state title a few years ago, uh, beat Coldwater in the title game. They really, you know, it's a two good teams up that way. Uh, Grove's got Tr- uh, Trenton Barraza, great running back, over almost 1,400 yards in the regular season. Kerry's tough with Eli Steen in the backfield. Almost just, uh, you know, almost an equal kind of game here. Um, I'll give the edge to the to the mighty Grove Bulldogs if that works out. We follow Columbus Grove and we drove through their town this weekend. Oh, I have a story. I'm picking Ooh, Columbus right. Grove. But on my way back from the Great North yesterday, yesterday, drove through Columbus Grove, as that is the, the traditional way home, as established by the Monin family. They had the entire town square in the middle of town where the um, that candy store was that burned down or whatever yes. it was. It was entirely closed off, probably because, what did you say, the boys' cross-country team did very well at state? Yeah, one state. I believe, yeah, yeah, they won state. Yeah, group won the D3 state title. So their state championships involved uh, blocking off the middle intersection of the town that I needed to drive through and throwing toilet paper over the telephone wires. So. Oh, that's nothing new in Putnam <laughs> County. They usually block them. I know when Fort Jennings uh, won state basketball back in 2000, they beat St. Henry in the title game. They pretty much just blocked off the middle of town and just turned it into one big bar. <laughs> it looked like they were having a fun time. It was just, you know, I've, I wasn't I've expecting re- that at 8 p.m. with all the fire trucks and toilet paper out. <laughs> I always kind of referred to Putnam County as Mercer County North. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of comparisons. <laughs> Most good. I could see that. <laughs> but I don't remember seeing the toilet paper in Mercer County. I kind of like yeah. that touch. Um, I think the difference is in Mercer County, they like to dance. They, they take them to a bar and let them dance on the bar to We Are the Champions. <laughs> that's a St. That's a Henry tradition, I guess, and Marion tradition, too. The other game in that region, as I referred to, number two, Bluffton. 11-1 and one currently. Only loss was to Columbus Grove. They are facing the sixth seed, 11-1 Toledo-Ottawa Hills. Bluffton has the computer point advantage. No common opponents between these teams. The computers like Bluffton by 18 and 17 points. Now, myself, for one, I'm finding interesting that every week, even though they are a lower seeded, Bluffton seems to have an easier game than Columbus Grove on this path towards the big rematch. And second, when I'm down in divisions like six and seven, rule of thumb is almost always Pick the country team over the city team. So I am heavily with Bluffton. Ah, uh, you know, kind of up the air. Toledo plays in the TAC, the T-A-A-C, the Toledo Area Athletic Conference, having a good year, playing well. Bluffton also playing well. They got a good quarterback in Garrett Bogart at over 1,000 yards, 16 TDs, no picks during the regular season. Also no picks. The ball. Impressive. Yeah. yeah. So they're, you know, NWC team, very solid. I mean, they play a tough schedule. I kind of like that thing about going with the country team there. Bluffton, although nothing against Bluffton, I love it's a quaint little college town. I've been, I go to Bluffton University a few times for volleyball and baseball uh, tournaments. Um, but uh, I'd go with the Pirates. And do we even have to ask you, Rebecca? You really don't. The computers <laughs> are so confident. And we covered the team the computer favors, so that's a you got both of them there, huh? Yeah. Bluffton for Rebecca. All right. If you give me a case where we cover a team and the computer doesn't favor them, maybe I'll think about it a bit more. <laughs> Hasn't happened yet. And guess what? It's not going to happen in our next game either. 
We move over to Region 24 in Division 6. We have the two-seed, 10-2 Versailles, against the three-seed, Cincinnati Country Day, who's undefeated. But I'm starting to feel my country versus city theory popping up on this game. Versailles has the higher computer points, no common opponents. The Fantastic 50 computer likes Versailles by 37 points over an undefeated team. Cal Prep says they're crazy. Versailles is only going to win by 32 points. I didn't have to think long on this one. I got Mac team. I got country versus city. I got computers like them by 30 points. I've got Versailles. I got to go with strength of schedule. You look at Versailles. You know, they opened with Salina. They're eight. They went eight and two. They're still in the playoff. Marion Local, extra point away from tying it in a, a missed field goal at the end of the first half that would have probably given them the win. Tough game against Colter. That's when I saw him play. Michael Osborne. Quality quarterback, uh, Joel Garrett, quality running back. You know, you look at a uh, country day, they only played two teams in the regular season that had winning records, Elmwood Place and uh, college Pre- Cincinnati College Prep. And we saw what New Bremen did to, call- d- to Cincinnati College Prep a couple weeks ago. Yep. Go Tiger Ball. <laughs> Got to go for sales on that one. And I'm already typing Rebecca's pick in here. Yeah, yeah you should. Uh, just a comment, though, Cincinnati Country Day, located in the sprawling metropolis of Indian Hill, I I can't tell if that's more or less city than the rest of the city. Because on one hand, <laughs> lots of land, very country. On the other hand, they're not exactly working the farmland themselves. So... I, have a, I have an Indian Hill story. If you, if oh, you mind, this was years ago. I think this is when St. Mary's went to state and they played Indian Hill in the playoffs down at Northmont. Now, people, rem- you know, you, you probably remember um, the late, great well, Ralph Wagner, Big Ralph. Yes. And then Bill Put Cheslock. him on the bus, right? Yeah. And Bill <laughs> Cheslock. Yeah. guy. He's, so you can imagine this. In the, this one little area of the press box at Northmont, I got Big Ralph. I'm in the middle. Big Ralph in front of me, and onto one side, as on the other. You know, the three tons of joy here. <laughs> <laughs> and Nick Yale, who's the now the defensive coordinator for St. Mary's, puts a hit on a clean hit on a Indian Hill receiver. Ralph Ches and I collectively go, "Wow!" Player gets up. He takes three steps towards the St. Mary's sideline before his teammate says, oh, no, no, we're on that side. We're on the other side of the field. You know, basically rang his chimes like you wouldn't believe. And that's, that's, so that's my Indian Hill story. Other than, I believe, um, oh, who's the coach for years for the Bengals? Marvin, Marvin Lewis. Marvin Lewis's son was on the, the Indian Hill team back then. So just a little story. But, you know, when you say Indian Hill, just make, brought that story there's, back to mind. There's more than a few well-known, wealthy residents of Cincinnati who live in Indian Hill. So that's not surprising. Marvin Lewis's kid was there. I mean, Pete Rose lived there. Marge Schott lived there. So, yeah, that's not, that's it, it, it looks kind of country-ish, but it really looks more like if you go back to your uh, 1800s in England, that's where all the lords of the manor lived, and then out somewhere else was where they did the actual farming that made the money that supported it, right? Oh, very much so, yes. <laughs> Still a very fun place to drive through if you ever get the chance. If you get a chance to go by, fun to drive through. Yeah. You see a sign that says Indian Hill, go there. It's fun just to look at the places, I tell you. Quite the place yeah. to see. 
We'll finish off Division Six with number five Tri Village, eleven and one, playing against number eight Anna, seven and five. Which, by the records, sounds like it's a mismatch, but I doubt we'll find that to be the case. Tri Village has many more computer points. These teams have no common opponents. The computers say Anna by eight points and by six points. So the computers like Anna by a touchdown. What did I say earlier, Rebecca and Gary? Something about I should quit picking against MAC teams? Yeah. I've got Anna. <laughs> okay. I learned for a week. I've got Anna. Well, you know, Anna's had some ups and downs with uh, injuries this year. You know, and they play a tough schedule. I mean, they faced all they faced all the big teams in the MAC, you know, with, uh, you know, Versailles, Marion, Coldwater. So, I mean, they're they're battle-tested. Tri-Village, only loss, I believe, is to Ansonia in the West Ohio Athletic Conference play. Ansonia's alive team, and well but, yet, uh, too, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit later. As much as I, you know, don't like to bet against MAC teams, and I I won't this time, but it's going to be a close game. I think uh, Anna can hold on to win that game, and that would be next week, you know, for sales and the rematch. Put me down for Anna. Mac this team whole picking the same, th- yes, Mac team computer favorite. But I tell you, this whole picking the computer favorite thing is getting a little too predictable for my likings. Ooh, okay. She can. Let's see if she hangs on through Division Seven, or if she has to break loose with some upset picks. I'll probably hang on, but I haven't seen the matchups yet. <laughs> Just saying, the next week might get a little more chaotic. Warning you now. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, before we hit Division Seven been a little busy weekend here rebecca so i only have two scores of the week that i found scores of the week <laughs> okay did not have quite the research time i normally do my first one is lorraine clearview 19 creston norway 16 two teams we don't come across that often but clearview was a 27 point underdog and they were behind 16 to nothing at half. So it looked like they were going to lose by their four touchdowns or so. Uh, start of the second half, Norway was just about ready to score again. But they fumbled the ball at the two-yard line. So if you recovered it, drove down, scored, recovered another fumble, drove down the field and scored again. Although this time they, had a, they fumbled it themselves and then recovered their own fumble in the end zone for a touchdown. And with that momentum, they just kept going and posted a winning score with two minutes and 11 seconds remaining in the game. That had to be one most of the Clearview people are in very uh, doubtful of a comeback, I would think, at halftime of that one. Boy, that one turned around in a hurry. (laughs) And for our other score of the week, I'm going to go local. But I have St. Henry 16, Fort Larmy 8. And we picked this one because St. Henry is the... I don't know how you call that. The worst seed, the lowest seed, lowest seed maybe. But ranked as as a 14 seed, that is the, the lowest, lowest seed. seed still alive in the playoffs. What's the biggest number? But they're lowest in the rankings. But anyway, however you want to put it, the lowest seed still alive in the playoffs. And I was told the highlight of the game might have been the referees had a 10-minute rules discussion. They were so unsure what the rules were, they sent for a rule book and looked it up on the field. Apparently, that was a bad snap on a punt, on a St. Henry punt. The punter got off a very short, dribbled kick that had touched a Fort Larmy player and was recovered by St. Henry. But since the punt never made it to the line of scrimmage, it was 
considered to have never gone across, so no first down. So even though Fort Laramie fumbled the ball, so to speak, they kept possession for stopping St. Henry on fourth down. I was not sure which way that ruling is supposed to go either, so I guess it's a good thing they took the time to get the book out for that. Do you have any knowledge of that one, Gary? No, I wasn't at the game. Our dear friend Colin Foster was covering that game, but he was talking about, you know, they actually had to figure that out. Yeah, an interesting move. St. Henry, you know, being below seed, still alive, nothing new for them. you got to remember, I believe they were the first ever eight seed when regions were eight teams to win state. They ended up going to Marion Pleasant for week one and uh, one uh, of the playoffs and beat them big and then uh, just cruised to there. So, I mean, you know, when you talk about Mackey, everybody says, well, you're, they're the fourth seed or the eighth seed. It doesn't really matter. If, I think it comes to that point of uh, level of competition. And, and like I used the word battle-tested earlier with Anna. You can say St. Henry's been battle-tested this year as well. You know, I believe I was at that St. Henry Marion Pleasant game just as a fan. I ate some uh, food fan. from the yeah, Marion Pleasant fan. That's the guy. Fan. I went yeah, to his tailgate. Fan. Ate a bunch of his food, listened to all the people talk about how big they were going to win. And just before we walked in the stadium, he asked me, so you think so? And I said, no, you're going down. St. Henry's going to take you. <laughs> but I didn't tell him that until after I ate all their food for free. <laughs> I think Pleasant was also I think Pleasant was also surprised where they're used to giving out uh, their 50-50 tickets, one ticket or three tickets at a time. And St. Henry folks were asking for $5 arm lengths. Yes. They said they had the biggest. <laughs> They had their biggest 50-50s when St. Henry would come to town because they weren't used weren't used to the uh, weren't used to the way uh, Mac fans buy their uh, 50-50 tickets. You're not saying they may like to gamble a bit in Mercer County, are you? Oh no, 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 no! I wouldn't <laughs> say that. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> On to Division Seven. We'll start with Region Twenty Six. <laughs> Let's do it. We have Patrick Henry, one of my favorite teams from preseason, the five seed at 10 and two. This time they are facing the one seed, undefeated Bascom Hopewell Loudon. Uh, Hopewell Loudon has the Chieftains. seven. The Chieftains, yes. They have the computer point advantage. There are no common opponents. The computers both say Hopewell Loudon, one by nine points, one by five. Last year, I picked against Hopewell Loudon. We all did. We all had Pandora Gilboa to beat them, and it did not happen. Last week? <laughs> Last week, yes. Yeah. We all picked Pandora Gilboa to beat Hopewell Loudon. Hopewell Loudon got the win. I'm not letting a team beat me twice. I'm having to take Hopewell Loudon just because I can't let that happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, you know, Hopewell Loudon, very tough team, uh, playing well this year. Uh, Patrick Henry, only two losses, uh, both in NWOAL land. They lost to Archibald. Archibald, of course, Coldwater beat him last week. And then they lost to Liberty Center. And that, one of the more interesting things was after they lost to Liberty Center, and they lost to Liberty Center 62 to nothing, someone on the Associated Press football poll gave them a first-place vote. I'm just wondering how did they do that? Um that that's a lot of respect for Liberty Center right there, eh? No, no well, respect for Patrick Henry. <laughs> you know, well, yeah, I'm say, being shellacked. I'm saying that's um, how much they they like Liberty Center that you can lose to them sixty two yeah. to nothing and still get a number one vote, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's a, an interesting thing. Uh tough team. And I'll I'll have to give the edge to uh Hopewell Loudon. I'll give them the edge this week. 
And if I remember right, I believe Patrick Henry had a significant player injury late in the season. Maybe the quarterback, if I remember right. So, I believe so. I have no idea how serious or if he's back or not. She's thinking, well, do I go with the computer or I'm do I go with the team we I'm going to gamble on them adjusting their strategy accordingly and settling into it now. So I'm going Patrick Henry. All right. Five, five and nine points is, is overcomable. Oh, very That's much That's so. upsettable. Now, the other game in that bracket features two teams we cover. The six-seed Macomb, currently 10-2. and two, And the seven-seed Lima Central Catholic, currently 8-3. and three. At the moment, LCC has slightly more computer points, 4% more. We have two common opponents here. Macomb beat Crestview 55-13 to 13 in Week 2. LCC beat Crestview 44-28 to 28 last week. So that seems to slightly favor Macomb. When we look at their other common opponent, Elmwood, Macomb beat them 61-6 to 6 in Week 8. LCC beat them 49-18 to 18 in Week 6. Maybe that favors Macomb. Why don't I don't know? Once the deficits or the difference gets that big, I don't know if it really matters whether you won them by 30 points or 50 points. Oh, and here's another one. We finally I like it when the computers fight. Fantastic 50 <laughs> likes LCC by three points. Cal Preps likes Macomb by three points. I personally found this maybe the toughest game of all of them to pick. LCC seems like they're really playing well late, but I always, always like those Macomb teams, and I'm sticking with them this week. I've got Macomb. I'll tell you, LCC, you know, they play an independent schedule, so they're playing teams from all over, all over. I mean, they played Bishop Reedy. They played Bishop Hartley out of the Columbus area. Uh, played Cary. Cary's a tough team. Finished the regular season. Got a big win over Fort Lorman. So, I mean, they faced a lot of tough teams on their schedule. And Lucas was another team. And next, yes, of course, Lucas. next year they're going to to uh, rejoin the Northwest Conference, you know, because, you know, and Fort Lorne's joining there too because, you know, playing an independent schedule in this area is very, very difficult. But I think that I think that uh, schedule has helped LCC this year. And I'll give the edge to the uh, Turquoise and Scarlet there of uh, the Fighting Thunderbirds. Yes, we're going with the Mighty Thunderbirds. All right. Hmm. My guidelines <laughs> have fallen through. Tigers versus Thunderbirds. Thunderbirds are cooler, but Tigers historically do better in football games. Hmm. Panthers. I'm gonna... Macomb's the Panthers. Panthers? The internet lied to me. <laughs> Must have been a different Macomb. Macomb's got a great coach. Chris Algie's a great coach. Uh, I was looking at program. Macomb, Mississippi. Oh. <laughs> that that's a mistake. I'll own up to that one. Panthers. I I need to pick them now yeah. as an apology. <laughs> okay, Macomb with the apology pick for Rebecca. <laughs> <laughs> and we get to our final region. Now that eight man football's done, we wrap up with Division Seven, Region Twenty Eight. The first game is the top seeded, undefeated Marion local Flyers against the fifth-seeded 10-2 Minster Wildcats. Mary Local has 88% more computer points. They just have computer points out the wazoo. They could have stopped after about week four and had a plenty, I think. More importantly, Mary Local beat Minster 42-7 in week three, in a game that was close in the first half, but the Flyers ran away with in the second half. According to the computers, this will be 
Perhaps Marion Local's toughest game so far in the playoffs as they are only favored by 27 and 21 points by the computers. So three to four touchdown favorite. I will be both covering this game for the paper and, of course, doing the stats for Minster and the official stats for the Lima Shawnee Athletic Department for the game. So I am taking the Kirk Herb Street option, and I am not making a pick in this game, Rebecca and Gary. And I'm going to do likewise. I'm not going to pick this game, you know, for I just think, you know, Marion is just playing, you know, Minster's having a great year. Coach Whiting's doing a great job. Marion is just absolutely head and shoulders above everybody they played this year. And I'll just leave it at that. Well, there's your chance to get an easy win then, Gary. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I don't think it'll be as easy as the first time around, but I think, you know, Marion's just playing, you know, so well right now. And they're doing it with everything. Offense, defense, special team. Hard to argue with that. Well, I have no official affiliation or uh, anyone paying me from either team, so I'm comfortable picking. And as much as I would love to see a Minster upset, that would be an exciting game, probably bigger response than if we won the whole thing if we beat Marion. I, I, do, I do think it's going to be Marion coming out of this game on top. That uh, If it gets close, this will be an exciting game. Of course, Minster fans remember, and boy, I got to try to pull the year from my memory. I believe it was 2010. That was the year Marion Local won the regular season game by 35 or so points, and then Minster took them by one point in the playoff. And that was, but that was a long time ago. But that was a, that was during the Goodwin years, at least. So we got that to go on. We have not seen any weakness in Marion Local yet, have we, Rebecca? No. I'll just leave it at we're very happy when Marion Local and Minster get swapped into different uh, divisions when the numbers <laughs> come out. Yes, there'll be people in many towns next year when the new numbers come out. First thing they'll look for is where their team is. The second thing they'll look for is where's Marion Local because they're always on that borderline. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And our last game this week, two more teams we cover. We start with undefeated, second-seeded Ansonia. 12-0 against the only 14 seed remaining in the playoffs, the 5-7 and St. Henry Redskins. And Sonia has like the largest computer point difference over their opponent of anyone on our list with 104% more computer points. We actually have a common opponent here. And Sonia beat Riverside 30-14 in week one. St. Henry beat Riverside 28-5 in week 11. Similar margins. Many weeks in between those games, though. So don't know if that tells us a lot. The Fantastic 50 computer likes Ansonia by a whole four points, which seems weird when you're talking a two versus 14 game in the third round of the playoffs. Cal Preps is even more unsure. It favors Ansonia, but only by two points. Uh, so I promised earlier I was going to learn, didn't I? a close computer mm-hmm. close prediction between the computers one of the teams a mac team i really like ansonia but i'm taking st henry st henry owes that battle tested i mean they've been struggling with some injuries and you know some things early in the season i got together they got some guys back over week i think uh but uh the big key is going to be um if charlie whirling the quarterback is going to be able to play uh he got hurt uh believe in the uh, Florida Army game last week and he brings so much to the game because he can run the ball. And he can throw the ball, too, but his running has been the key for St. Henry at times this season. Uh, Jack Hillsman's the other quarterback. He's a good He's a good passer. 
but they would have to find someone to take up the uh, running game. And Sonia, uh, Keegan Weiss, 2,328 yards, 39 touchdowns this season for the Tigers. Remember, Ansonia, charter member of the Midwest Athletic Conference. So, I mean, there's some they history were. about the between the teams over the years. I, th- you know, but I think if you look at the schedules, Ansonia plays a tough schedule. St. Henry has, you know, they face they faced the big three in the MAC this year, big four with Minster in there. So, I mean, I think if everything's healthy in that, I think St. Henry can pull through on this one. I think St. Henry could could possibly pull through and get the win. <sighs> Before you decide, it's Rebecca, I'll throw. Okay. So go ahead. Okay. I'll throw one last no, thing I... in. Gary mentioned all those rushing yards for the Ansonia running back. The one time I saw St. Henry this year, I was very impressed with their defensive line play and their run. So I think that's going to be the battle of whether Ansonia can run the ball against St. Henry or not. And I'm betting that St. Henry's going to hold up well in that regard. So yeah, if they're healthy, and I think if you know, they're healthy, if Dom Schwartz who is. If Dom Schwartz is healthy and like he was last week against Fort Lormy, I think uh, they could control that line and make, uh, you know, force Ansonia to try to pass the ball or try something else. Now we've given Rebecca a little more time to vacillate between her picks. (laughs) (laughs) I know what I'm going to pick. I've just got to say it in a coherent way. That's not just I want to be different and I'm tired of picking the same thing the whole time. All that to say I'm and Sonia sounds really good. So I'm going to go with them. All righty. Yeah, maybe their honorary and uh, charter max status will, will pull through to break the break the trend there. Yeah, it is always possible. The computers think so. And boy, like I said, I've been following Aunt Sonia fans online all year, and they say this is the year we've got it. And they were close last year. So that is a battle-tested team, the ones that are back from last year, that's for sure. So... I can't say that's a bad pick, Rebecca. That's for sure. And I think I just said for sure like six times. Uh, yeah, he did. Spices it up. <laughs> so that was our preview of the regional semifinal round of the playoffs. Anything else you need to add before we sign off here, Gary? No, thanks for having me on. No, it's our you know, pleasure. I, normally, I, have a, I usually have a, uh, a face for uh, radio and a voice for newspapers. So hopefully uh, I was able to lend some something to this uh podcast well there's a reason we keep this audio only and rebecca and i don't put ourselves on video either so oh, hold on <laughs> okay that's just mostly me, because... not rebecca <laughs> that's mostly because i zone out half the time it's not very good video <laughs> that's true unless you like watching a cat walk back and forth in front of rebecca then you would enjoy the video very much that happens a lot so, since you failed to mention it earlier, Rebecca, where can people send those comments that they have for us about our picking prowess? Sure. If you have any comments or questions about any of the opinions we've shared, if you want to share your own opinions, uh, you can send those to us at bdmonin at nktelco.net or submit them on Twitter to at Bruce Monin. He'll be happy to receive them. And by the way, that is how we communicated with Joe Idle to find him at the game Saturday by sending messages on Twitter back and forth. So Twitter DMs. Yes. <laughs> and as always, please subscribe to our podcast using your Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, etc. All those places that are not Spotify where you get your podcasts. <laughs> and as always, be sure to tune again next week as we preview the regional finals here on Bruce Monin's Computer Points.